Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are thrilled that you are joining with us again on the FBC Young Adults Podcast. I'm John Lemons, the minister to young adults at First Baptist Church here in beautiful Huntsville, Alabama. If you're listening and you've never been to Huntsville, come on down and see us. And with me, as he is every week, is Sam Maxwell, our ministry resident to young adults. And today, as you can see, our very special guest is our very own senior pastor, Travis Collins. Travis, glad you can join us, and we know that you've got a busy schedule, but I also know that we have a lot of people excited to hear what you're going to share with us this week. But before we get into that, I know our people here at First Baptist know this, and we may have some listeners out there that do not. So, so Travis, I wanted to dive into this for, for a second. On the side, you're also a football official locally in, in high school and youth leagues. So tell us a little bit about what that's like and how you, how you got into that and that kind of thing. Well, first of all, I'm thrilled to be here with my fellow young adults and talking <laughs> right. about um, things that matter, like Holy Ghost stories. Those things matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not ever had a Holy Ghost story on the football field, but I do have lots of, lots of stories, some holy and unholy from yeah, the football field. <laughs> yeah, this is my, I think it's my 18th uh, year. And, um, you know, I grew up, like so many in Alabama, loving football and uh, believing I was an expert in the game. So because I, I didn't have uh, an opportunity to play at the professional or college or really high school level, I'm, um, <laughs> I'm kind of living out my dream by officiating. And I just love it. It's a passion. On, on Fridays, I'm as excited as any student um, is. You know, I, I think about it during the day. Uh, it's a great hobby. I meet people. Um, I, do get, I do get lots of stories. And the one that most people, out of all the really wise things I've shared, uh, on Sundays, the thing that people probably re- will remember most when I'm gone is that I called a touchdown on the five-yard line. Yes. In fact, I, I, I was visiting with a, um, a man the other day whose mind has, uh, has faded on him. Uh, he's a member of First Baptist, and he's in, a, he's in a nursing facility. And his daughter and son-in-law were there with me, and his daughter said, Hey, you know, Dad, this is, this is Pastor Travis. And he was like, Yeah, I'm not real sure. And you could see he was looking confused. And then Five minutes later, and this is no exaggeration, his face lit up and he said, you called a touchdown on the five-yard line. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so thank, I'm glad that I, that's what I'm remembered for. Seriously. So it's a great hobby. I love yep. high school football, the bands, the cheerleaders, the, yeah. the Friday night lights is all just a great experience. How has it been this fall with COVID and everything? Has it been a little Well, I thought down? we'd never get to this end, but we are. this Friday night will be the last uh, regular season and the playoffs will start. We, now, there, there are lots of teams who missed a couple of games because of COVID. But um, the fact that we made it through the season is just a, a minor miracle, I think. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite position when you did play football? When I played football, I would, I would have done anything to get on the field. <laughs> By the time I was nine in the ninth grade, everybody was bigger than I. Hmm. And uh, we might, I don't know, it may, it may come into play a little later. When I, when I decided to quit, I decided it was a uh, – a Holy Ghost story, and I shared that with my coach, and he disagreed. We'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about that a little <laughs> later on. So I quit you, because I was riding the pine, sitting on the bench, carrying the water, and so on. Nice. Hmm. So you were. Uh, so so both your sons, Grant and Landon, played quarterback in high school, right? Yeah, they were both quarterbacks. So who did they get uh, that ability from? You or Carrie? Well, Carrie's adopted, so we think her uh, <laughs> biological father may, may may have been a really good athlete. Nice, hmm. nice. So uh, were you nervous? Uh, before you preached your first sermon or before you ref your first game, more nervous? Do you remember? <laughs> That's a good question. I really like that question. <laughs> um, well, I will tell you that uh, I don't know. I don't remember my first one. Oh, oh definitely, definitely refereeing. Definitely. De- no, hmm. no, I remember my first sermon. 
definitely my my first refereeing. And still, after 18 years, of course, I've been, you know, preaching sermons for, well, what, 35 years. Yeah. But I still will get on a big game. I still get more butterflies than I do um, on a Sunday morning. And I, don't, I can't tell you why. I might need a therapist to help me unpack that. <laughs> but I, I do probably think more about like a playoff game or something. You know, I'll, I'll think a little more about a little more nervously about that than I do standing up on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Do you, do you have any single favorite moments as a high school referee? Mm, I, I, I'm sure I do. Um, but I, um, I mean, I, I love seeing our, our folks. I mean, I, I love seeing our, our kids cheering and in the band and all that and happens not every Friday night, but lots of Friday nights. Some of our kids will be on the sideline or on the field and it's just great to be part of their lives. And, and I mean this sincerely outside church. So, mm. you know, this Christian faith is not just something we do on Sunday morning, but it's something that we live. And so for me to be part of their lives and on their turf, is just a really cool thing for me. Now, when their daddies yell at me, it hurts my feelings. But right. for the kids, I really <laughs> like being out there. Yeah, and I'll say as someone, you know, in my previous position, doing sports leagues was, was my job. And, and along with that came officiating and, and training officials. And when an official didn't show up, I had to step in and do the game. And when I came here, I was an umpire for baseball a couple of years. And uh, I have I have sympathy for you and and. I always tell people, uh, particularly when I'm at a game or when I'm watching a game with someone and they're fussing at the officials, I always tell them give it a try sometime because that changed my perspective entirely. You you do not realize how difficult it is and what all you're asked to do as an official until you start doing it. So uh, kudos to you. I, I know you do a fine job. I've been to games that you've been at. And uh, when you don't notice the officials, that's when good things are happening. So Yeah, that's true. That's We never want to be part of the game, and we don't want people driving home talking about us. Yeah. And I can say just from my experience, you can probably say the same. Um, I'm almost never aware of the uh, game situation. You know, a, a lot of times people say, well, you you called this because you wanted them to win. Like, I'm never aware of I don't, I'm not yeah. even aware of who's in the lead. I'm just aware of that particular play. What are my responsibilities? And, and that's one yeah. of the things about it. You know, the number of the player, you don't know that until after you call it. Then you say, OK, that's number 33. But yeah, the things you just you can't pay attention to that and yeah. call a game. I, my, my brain's not big enough to think right. through. <laughs> right. Okay, I wondered on this play, I wonder what I would like to happen. I don't, I just yeah. have, I don't yeah. like that, guys. So I'm going to call something on him. Exactly. You're not paying attention to that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, man, uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you some more out there. I know the playoffs are starting, like you said. Hopefully you'll get uh, some of our big games. I know I know we've got some, some teams locally that are being involved. So, yeah. uh, But moving on into the bulk of what we'll be talking about today, we're on the fourth and final week of Holy Ghost Stories, which is our look throughout the month of October at Encounters with the Holy Spirit. And we heard an introduction in the first episode about how we are approaching this topic. So check that out if you haven't before you listen to the rest of this. But then in the following weeks, we, uh, that being Sam and I and Kristen Prasad, our, our minister to kids and family, we've all shared some of our unusual encounters and occurrences that we've had in our own lives. And today we've invited Travis, like we said, to share some of his and the things that he considers his Holy Spirit encounters or experiences. And we've been looking or at least trying to look at the encounters that people have had with God or the Spirit of God as it's been described in Scripture. So hopefully we've given you some insight into how to think about that and compare that to your own life. We've also identified what it means for Scripture to be the canon or the the measuring rod, which is what that word means, and uh, the measuring rod by which we define our own experiences. So we've tried to root our stories to the stories of people in Scripture, and we hope it inspires you to do the same. And if you've been listening, you know that my contention is that the encounters that people in the Bible have with God are much more similar to your own encounters and my encounters and the, and those sorts of things than, than you would realize. 
We've also dabbled a little bit with what to do when you feel like there are no such encounters, when you feel like you're in the desert, or you're wondering why God is so silent, or if he cares, or if God's even there. We've talked about the process of memorializing your experiences somehow, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few moments. And I once again want to give you a brief overview of where we've gone prior to today. I want to remind you that we're approaching this from the concept of unusual encounters. So you should have a stirring in your heart uh, when you when you sing and worship. There should be times when your heart sort of flutters a little bit, or maybe when you read something in Scripture, you might feel a stirring in your soul. And those are those are great. You should have those often. Everybody gets those from time to time. Those are uh, more of what we call common graces, and even things that happen in in our uh, day and time uh, that might be a result of scientific or medical advancement. Like for instance, I used the example last week. I'm I'm going to be having a surgery coming up in a, in a few weeks, and uh, when that happens, you know I can ask Sam to pray for me. But it's a routine surgery, and it's probably going to be okay, and I'll probably come out regardless of whether Sam prays or not. And that's just <laughs> being a benefit uh, a beneficiary of common grace of living in a day and an age where where those sorts of things uh, are just are things that we can expect and, and place hope in, and, and really not uh, not a lot of stock. That, uh, that it's going to be harmful to us. So those are not the kind of things we're talking about. Those are sort of forget- forgettable experiences. If I ask Sam or Travis to pray for me for that and I turn out okay, I won't remember the details of that two weeks after it happens. But the types of experiences that we're talking about are the things that you tell your kids about, the things that you can't explain, the things that you remember where you were and when it happened and how you felt in those t- types of things. These are monumental, unforgettable experiences in your life. So that's what we're talking about. And with all that said, There are four characteristics that I've talked about that I've shared in the previous episodes that are things that I have found that are common among these experiences that we've had. And I would say that you find these in Scripture and you find these when you talk to other people and hear their stories as well. The four characteristics are this one, that it's personal, that it's something that happened to you. It can be something that was dramatic or transcendent, or it can be something that was an experience that you didn't notice as it was happening. But when you got to the other side of it, you looked back and you saw a chain of events that you cannot explain other than a force that's outside of your control. I also have argued that this is a universal experience that people sometimes will have this happen and they'll attribute it to fate or to karma or the universe or whatever. But whatever it is, it's an experience that I think all people in all time and all cultures have had and have tried to define. And in my opinion, this is where the Bible comes in and is a very useful tool in helping us take the step from these experiences being an impersonal sort of karma experience to the moment of a personal spirit of God that's trying to be a presence in our life. So again, it's it's personal. It's a personal experience. It's something that's happened to you. And then the second characteristic is that you have a yearning to define it. It stands out as a defining moment in your life. It can change the course of your life. And you may wonder, what do I do with this now? Uh, the third characteristic is that you may begin to doubt it. You may begin to notice that your memories of it will fade. And so you may sense a need to memorialize it somehow, even if it's just writing it down or even if it's just associating it with a certain period of time or a certain time in the year or a season or a holiday or whatever just because as time goes by your memories of it fade or you doubt the experience altogether and those sorts of things happen because the fourth character characteristic is that it does not happen very often we're talking about things that probably are going to happen a handful of times in your life so now that i have that all out of the way those are the four characteristics that i see when we're talking about these kind of stories I'm going to ask Travis, would you agree with those? Would you disagree? Would you add characteristics or take some of those away? No, I absolutely agree. And, and I do think that you make the important distinction between the common graces and these unusual um, transcendent moments. So last, um, some watching this will know that my wife, Carrie, had an accident last Thursday. She was thrown from a 
horse and uh, broke several ribs and uh, her uh, there's a fracture in her T3 uh, vertebra and um, broke her pelvis. And um, so Friday night, uh, or Friday afternoon, they decided to do surgery on her pelvis. And the guy, the, 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 the physician that was in the room with her, with us, said, um, these orthopedic docs kind of rotate. And, uh, well, and he said, the one who is on duty or on call or whatever, you know, he, who's up to bat for the night. He said, as luck would have it, uh, his expertise is pelvises. Hmm. Well, you know, my first thought was, yeah, is that, is that luck? <laughs> yeah. Or is, or did God plan all this out in advance? And, and, and hmm. so here's one of those times where I think, I don't know. Right. Quite hmm. frankly, I don't know if I get, you know, at the parking, when I pulled into the hospital, a parking lot with a space was available right there. I didn't thank God for that parking space. I was like, Hey, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah. now when, so, but when you, when something like that happens, you begin to wonder and God certainly can. And I think does arrange things, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that that rises to the left. I probably won't remember that mm. two years from now. Right. But the two stories that I will tell you, I will, I will never forget as long as my mind is good. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into those. Let's hear what those, uh, those stories are. Well, the first one, I had been a pastor for only um, a few months, and we lived in Upton, well, outside in the country, outside of Upton, Kentucky. And I was pastor of the Lucas Grove Baptist Church, and um, our, the parsonage, or pastorium as some churches call it, was just right across the parking lot from the church building. So on Saturday nights, I would, uh, I was a seminary student, and uh, so I, you know, I was still working on the sermon late Saturday night. Of course, I do that now, and I'm not a seminary <laughs> student. But I um I would walk over to the church, and I would literally stand in the pulpit, and I would preach the sermon. Um, sometimes preach it more than once, and um so I would I would preach the sermon, and then I would I would pray, and I did that week after week after week after week, and um, was glad that I was doing it. I found it helpful. It was a spiritual discipline. But one Saturday night, uh, I had preached the sermon, and um, I knelt at the altar, as we called it, you know, the place down front, by in front of the podium. Uh, I knelt to pray and, and had one of those uh, mystical experiences that, that, uh, that don't, we don't forget. Um, I had this overwhelming sense of of uh, the presence of God in the room so, so strong that I was afraid to open my eyes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, it's not that I'm afraid of God. I can't tell you exactly why I was afraid, but it, it was as if I thought, Jiminy Crickets, if I open my eyes, God's going to be sitting there, and I, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Yeah. And so for a long time, and I say a long time, I mean, it could have been, it could have been three to five minutes. I, I, re- I just I sort of lost the sense of time. I was afraid to open my eyes. It was, it was as real, uh, Sam and John, as if, uh, you know how you are, when somebody's in the room, you just know they're there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it was overwhelming. It was uh, almost breathtaking. It was, it was mystical and mysterious and profound. And then as, as suddenly as the experience began, the experience ended mm-hmm. and, uh, I opened my eyes and I was alone in the room. And, and, and the thing about that was I, I wasn't doing anything out of the routine. Right. I wasn't uh, chanting. I wasn't fasting. I wasn't um, 
you know, denying myself. I wasn't right. like a, you know, a, a monk or somebody, you know, living in, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't, uh, anyway, it, it, I was just following my routine. Right. And so God chose, I believe the way I interpret that is God chose to bless me with that. And I, I took it and I hope I, I took it right as an affirmation of God's blessing on, on my ministry. That's what I, that's the way I, I interpreted it and have tried to live that out. He didn't say, um, you're going to be special. He didn't say, I have my hand on you. Like I have, I don't have it on other people. He didn't, it wasn't like that. It wasn't a unique kind of, it wasn't an exclusive kind of feeling, right? But it was a feeling of, of blessing. The sec, the sec, you talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, so, so did you leave there and go tell Carrie right away? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you won't <laughs> believe what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And were you the next week? Were you a little afraid to go into your routine, or were you? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't remember if I was afraid. I don't remember being afraid uh, the next week. Because that's one of the things we sort of touched touched on. I think the first episode, um, I, I just kind of offhand mentioned. Um, you know, a lot of times we think when we read scripture that the the presence of God or the Spirit of God is showing up every day, and what you don't realize on the pages of scripture, it's it's a lot of times spanning decades of time and so right. they're kind of giving you the highlight mm -hmm. sam compared it to watching a sports center highlight versus watching an entire game like if you watch a highlight oh that's that i love that analogy yeah. i'm gonna use that sam yeah <laughs> so yeah so uh so if that's you know if that's what you get in scripture is the highlight then then you know the the rest of of what's going on is just a whole lot of you know nothing really worth telling um and and one of the things that i said in there was i don't think most people want the spirit or the presence of God to show up in their lives as much as they think they want, because I think it is a terrifying experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times do you see in scripture where it says, do not fear? And it's because the presence of God or an angel or something is right there. Isn't that interesting? Oh, That's yeah. right. So that I have, I have, so you're helping me unpack this because I have, all, <laughs> I have wondered why was I afraid? But when the, when the angel showed up to Mary, first thing he says was, you know, not don't fear. be afraid. It yeah. happens mm -hmm. over and over. It is terrifying. And yeah. Okay, now I feel yeah. better about the, about myself now that you explained that. I, well, I will never let you yeah. forget that, by the way. <laughs> so, but I think too. So one day, I mean, just another illustration of this. I was thinking about this. I stepped out my back door, and we have a bird feeder right there. That you know, we see all these birds come on, and you know, we put out bird feed for them and stuff. And it doesn't matter, man. Like we could be inside the door and watching them, but as soon as we go to the door and step out, they fly away. And I, I've thought about that often too. Like it doesn't matter how much care I provide for these birds; they're terrified of me. You know, and, and I think about that a lot of times with our relationship to God as well. Like he's so other than we are that his presence is, is terrifying and it, yeah. it's great. It's good for us, but it also is mm -hmm. so different than us that it can be terrifying. So, yeah. and, and I, think and I could so not have, I could not have lived with that over. I, I, I would not have been able to eat. I would not have been mm -hmm. able to function with that overwhelming experience. Right. So yeah, if it, it had to be, it had to be momentary or temporary. Uh, it, it's just like the story of Moses and, right. and encountering God on the mountain. You know, he couldn't live in that, on the, in that kind of intense right. relationship forever. Right. I've seen, uh, I've seen people before that when they come to those moments and they feel like they've come face to face with God, very much like Moses in the burning bush where God says, this ground is holy, take off your sandals and you'll see them like slip off their shoes. And they're like, mm. there is something amazing going on in this room. And that's mm. really cool. Um, and Travis, you've been in ministry for a really long time. I mean, you were um, a missionary in South America and Africa. And of course, you've been a preacher at May Churches for a long time. Having had that experience, were there other times in your ministry journey where you're like, 
God, why why haven't you shown up like this? Like, why were you there? Like, I need you now. Yeah, where well, you wanted it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have, um, and I'm, I'm not sure we've, you intended to go down this road, but I will go if it's okay. Sure. Um, I, I have some friends who are charismatics, and um, uh, through um, this Fresh Expressions movement that I'm part of, it's an international movement, and I've become close friends with people who experience um, the gift of tongues. And so um, I, if God has a gift for me, then I, I want that gift. And this, Sam, this might not be exactly what you're asking, but it was a time when I wanted more. Mm-hmm. And so um, this was several years ago when I, I was at, a, at an event. There were several of us there speaking. And um, after one of the evening sessions, there was a, a guy and a, a gal that who, we went out to dinner. And uh, I, I told him, I said, I yearn for... Um, this experience if this is what God wants for me. And so we went to a chapel in a church and I, I, I literally pled with God, always saying, if this is what you want for me, mm-hmm. then I, I want this experience. And God did not give me that experience. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what uh, to do with that, except that I do believe that there are people who have spiritual gifts that I don't have. And God, in his infinite wisdom, chose not to bless me with that. Uh, I don't feel guilty for having asked, nor do I feel guilty for having not received that. It was, um, uh, I, have to, I have to believe, just like a, a child who's mature enough has to believe that his or her parents know what is best and don't always get what they ask for for Christmas, uh, yeah. for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your, uh, what's your second story? Yeah. Uh, this was at one, this was at the lowest point that I have been as a vocational uh, minister. Uh, we had a personnel uh, crisis in our church in in Richmond, and um, it was uh, our our contemporary worship leader uh, left, and <clears throat> it was um it was a it was a just a terrible it was an agonizing uh, event and time for me. Um. Chris Backert, a good friend of mine, who through this Fresh Expressions movement, he was not one of the two that night from, that I asked to help me, but uh, he does have, there have been a couple, three or four times when I believed he, something mysterious, one of those take your shoes off moments was going on with him. And, and, and the gift of prophecy is one of these um, mysterious words, even prophecy, because generally it means forth telling. Right. And, um, but a couple of times I've been in meetings with him where he said, I believe I have a word from the Lord. And, um, and when he has spoken, it has, it has turned out to be that I, I believe he really did. Mm-hmm. So on this, mo- on this time, uh, he had called and said, uh, could we meet at James River and pray uh, one morning? So we met there early at the, the Pony Pasture, which is this beautiful section of rapids at the, on the James River near Richmond. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we prayed. Um, he prayed for me. He prayed with me. And after a time of prayer, he said, I believe I have a word from the Lord for you. And I was all giddy about that because, man, I was really looking for a word from the Lord. I needed one badly. Yeah. And he said, um, God is going to tell you, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. Quite frankly, I thought, is that all you got? I mean, <laughs> sure. I've heard that before. I was looking for I'm going to bless you in yeah. ways you cannot imagine or something. And yeah. it was, but he said, I believe God is going to tell you. 
And so get that. He said, I believe God is going to tell you my grace is enough for you. He didn't say God wants me to tell you. Yeah. He said, God is going to tell you. Hmm. So I went back to the office and I worked and um, I didn't hear anything and days passed and weeks passed. And every once in a while, Chris would, um, would check in with me and he'd say, have you heard anything? Nope. I haven't heard a thing. We interviewed um, David Bailey, who was uh, an outstanding guy, um, African-American worship leader, um, about coming to be the worship leader at our church. And so on Sunday morning, uh, you know, again, weeks and weeks, weeks had passed. On Sunday morning, uh, he was leading worship for what we Baptists called the trial weekend, you know. Yeah. So if it all goes well, then we were going to call him. And um, man, did it, it go well. It was... Um, it was one of those almost um, otherworldly sorts of experiences for me. I was sitting on the front row, um, and I, I was, I don't know exactly how to explain this, but it was almost as if I was transported into this kind of um, other, uh, not, not out of body, but this just weird kind of experience where I was in the room, but I wasn't in the room. Um, I was aware that people were singing but I was not aware of what they were singing. And, and whether that was just profound emotion, because again, I had been through the ringer, man. I was, I was worn out emotionally and spiritually. So I don't know exactly what was going on in that moment, that sort of um, in-between worlds kind of moment. Right. But when I, when I came back, when I, I became aware again of my surroundings, uh, on the screen, uh, the words in, in front of me and, and what we were singing were these words. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. And I, and I will tell you I believe, but I won't tell you I know. I believe I heard a whisper that said, I'm telling you now. And I began to weep uncontrollably such that I was afraid I was not going to be able to speak. So we're in the music portion of the worship. And, you know, in a few minutes, I've got to get up and talk. And I was thinking, I, I don't know, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this. But I was. And as soon as the service was over, I ran to the office and I called, uh, called Chris. And I said, he told me this morning, hmm. I believe God had orchestrated. You know, I'm not sure about the surgeon, quite frankly, but I, I believe with all my heart, he orchestrated the choice of that song. Yeah. And the moment in my life when David Bailey would become our new worship leader and I would be in such desperate need of, of affirmation when he said, your grace, um, I'm telling you now that my grace is enough for you. So uh, that was a defining moment. One, those who've been around me anytime know that my favorite word is grace. So yeah. that, that was a big part of it. But just the, um, the relief, the release the, the hope that came from that was absolutely a transforming experience at the, low, at the absolute, uh, in, unquestionably lowest point of my vocational ministry. Man. So, so you ended up hiring that guy. We did. We did. <laughs> did you tell him that story? I oh, can't yeah, have, of course. Yeah. Man, I, just, I absolutely. First time you came, this is what happened. So next time you come up. Yeah. <laughs> High expectations. Yeah. High yeah. expectations. No, I absolutely told him that story. And, and talk about memorializing. You know, I've told that story probably 50 times right. in various settings, as well as the one on that Saturday night in that little country church, yeah. because they are so transforming. And, but, but I will tell you that that's it. I mean, I, those are the two. 
Yeah. The, the high, that's the highlight reel, Sam. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I've had those emotional moments in worship. Right. Um, and like everybody else, when, you know, the birth of my kids was, an emo- you know, but, but those were the two most transcendent moments that I've experienced. Yeah. And I would say, too, to go with memorializing, I, I'm, I don't know this, but I would guess every time you hear that song, Oh. You think of you think of that moment. Absolutely. You probably don't re-experience it to that end, but you. Oh no 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 no! But I but but I, I at least mentally right. relive it right. and um, emotionally relive it. Not not to that transcendent ex- extent, but absolutely it it is. Um, and I if I were in that country church again, you know, to today I'd walk up to that place and remember what what happened. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so yeah, I think that's one of the things that's important when you do have these things happen to you. And sometimes it can happen if it happens in worship. A lot of times that's why some of our. Uh, favorite songs are our favorite songs is because they they came along at a time in life when we when we needed them and uh, that's why i mean goodness that's why you remember songs that you knew in high school is because that was a very formative time and so when you when you have that sort of spiritual connection to a, a worship song like that that can serve as sort of that reminder that regular memorial that's helpful also i know some of mine i shared one of my stories are um I memorialize them by the calendar because I, I remember when they happened. And so mm. every time that comes around, mm. I sort of relive that, that, that time again. And like you said, it, it's never to the extent to where I remember or I, I feel what I felt that first time, but I do still have a little bit of a, a, a stirring. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I would say too, the way I know that, that at least what we are experiencing or what we're describing is, is a little bit different. And why I would say it is the presence of God is, you don't experience it in any other uh, avenues of life. You know, I, I made a comparison, <laughs> you know, if you can remember the very first time you you fell in love or when you fell in love with your spouse and like, when, you know, those first feelings, it's similar to that, but it's not exactly mm-hmm. that it's close, but it's not that exactly. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, there, there are these things that are just kind of stand out on their own. They don't happen often. I'm reading a book right now too. Um, called, I think it's called when God talks back. And it's an anthropologist who's studying, I think, a vineyard group that are a little bit more charismatic than than, than we are. Uh, and so she's just studying them as an anthropologist. But she she even says in there, you know, it's it's tempting as uh, you know secular people to sort of write off the experiences of religious people as you know just voices in their head or they're crazy or whatever. But she said these don't these are a different pattern. The, the type of, types of experiences that religious people. Uh, describe when they describe these types of encounters are not what you get when you talk to someone that's hearing voices in their head you know that's mm-hmm. suffering from schizophrenia or something like that it's, she said these are two very different categories and so i think that even is is sort of a pointer that there's something here and i think for us when we can share these stories with each other when we can measure them against the experiences that we see in scripture then it helps us define them a little bit more so any any thoughts there sam or travis anything to add yeah, I mean, I just have a couple of, you know, questions kind of thinking about the viewers and the viewers experience, um, you know, because I think we've had great opportunities, especially as folks in ministry to kind of, you know, this is our realm, this is where we spend a lot of time, have done a lot of learning. Um, so Travis is um, the oldest of us young adults. Uh, what do you what do you do when you're kind of between these high plateau or these high mountaintop experiences, um, especially as you mentioned, you've had two of them in your life that you can remember. Like, how do you get along? Or especially if you're in like a very dark moment where you just feel like God is absent, like, what do you do? What does that look like? How do you how do you continue going when it just feels like you're in a, a dark valley? Or it, let me add to that as well, because I was going to ask a similar question Um you know, I, I talked about one of my stories being this story where I scored a touchdown and it was an answer mm-hmm. to prayer. And it was 
I look at it now, it's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, there's, uh, you know, I've prayed for more serious things that were never answered. And, and one that sits with me in particular is, you know, a, a loved one that, that there was a sudden discovery of a terminal illness and I prayed and I fasted and he was gone within a, in a month. And I wrestled with that. Like, why would God answer a prayer about a football touchdown, but not about a loved one who was dying and, and that died too soon? Uh, and so part of that, I blame myself. Uh, did I, was I doing something wrong? Was I not faithful? Was I not devoted enough? Uh, so, so along those ends, Travis, I'm sure you would say similar, like you've, you've prayed prayers like that, where it was something much more serious and you didn't get the yeah. answer that you, you expected or that you wanted. Um, and I'm sure we have listeners out there that would say that, that would say, I'm, I'm going through something right now and I don't feel like God's listening or that he cares. So what would you say? Um, you know, how do you get through those sort of desert times or what would you say to, um, someone who, who would say, you know, Hey, these are great stories, but I've had this really serious one of a loved one who's going through a hard time and, and that's not being answered. Anyway. Yeah. in that same, in that same little ch- country church, uh, there was a, um, well, tr- trying to make the story short. There was this couple, she had come to faith in Jesus and, um, he was, I mean, they were adults, they were parents of two children and, um, they had lost two children to cystic fibrosis. I did mm-hmm. my second funeral was their 12 year old. And through that is how she came to be a follower of Jesus. And they were coming to church and he was, I felt like he was right on the verge. She got pregnant and, um, you know, having lost two to cystic fibrosis, um, there was a great chance that this, uh, this newborn would have cystic fibrosis. And, um, I don't think I've ever prayed, ever been a part of a family of faith that has prayed more fervently for anything than we all prayed for that baby. Mm-hmm. And Carrie and I were over at their house um, that night when they got the call. And uh, I, I don't think either Gary, Gary picked up the phone and uh, his first words were, yes, I'm sitting down. And I, I've never been more spiritually disappointed in my life. Mm. That's the same church. Yeah. So the same church, one of the two highest moments of my life, maybe the lowest terms of my prayer life in the same building right. associated with the same building. So my answer to Sam's question would be, um, I think spiritual disciplines are more important than transformational experiences because somebody's going to be listening to this. Who'll say, I ain't never had one of those. <laughs> right. Some of the, some will be wanting to know what to do with the one that they had. Right. Right. Some will be wanting, some will be saying, I've never had that. So I was, you know, um, I was probably 25 when I had that first one, and I was 55 when I had my, that second one. So um, I, I would, I, I would want to say to that person who says, I, I've never had anything that transformative or that ethereal, that, you know, profound, I would say spiritual disciplines are more important than those um, otherworldly experiences, because um, the truth is, you know, you think about Jesus and the the, the loaves and the fishes. You know, that that famous miracle of the loaves and the fishes, and what a right. what a crazy good thing that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the next day, people were falling away, yeah. and um, even some of his own close followers, and um. It's like, man, if I'd seen him feed all those, that 5,000 plus, I'd, I would have followed him to the gates of hell, but it ain't so. Right. So miracles, miracles even, not just these ethereal, out of, out of 
you know, out of this world kind of experiences. Miracles tend not to be transformative over a lifetime. That's they a are nice. Uh, no, I don't nice is, is a trite word. They are beautiful <laughs> affirmations. Yeah. But they don't, but they don't make the Christian faith. The Christian faith is made by a choice to, to be hopeful, a choice to be faithful, a choice to believe despite. Um, so spiritual disciplines are more, more important than these um, otherworldly experiences. That's a great point. And uh, I think what probably best illustrates that is the whole Old Testament. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it also makes me think of, uh, is it um, Anna in the temple uh, when, when Jesus is presented? I think it's Anna, right? Simeon she's, and Anna, yeah. Yeah, so she's a widow and, and what, I think in her 80s and had been going to the temple daily for years wanting to, to lay eyes on the Messiah. And then, uh, and then she finally gets this towards the end of her life. But, I mean, how long was she going? We don't, we don't know for sure. How many times did she have people say, oh, you're going to give that up, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but, it, but it was the discipline of, of continuing to go. And, and then when she, she got the reward, she did see the Messiah. And it probably wasn't everything she thought it was be, would be. Uh, you know, even for those who were waiting for him to be a deliverer, you know, Simeon and Anna would, would have seen him as a baby and then realized like, oh, it's going to be another 30 years <laughs> or yeah. whatever. So they're not going to see the deliverance in their lifetime. But, but you know, still that, that discipline of going and, and they were rewarded. And then, of course, there's a whole reward on the other side of all of this that, uh, that we only have a taste of right now. And, and that would be the other thing I would say. Uh, one of the stories that I go to and that I lean on a lot in these times of silence is the story of uh, the raising of Lazarus in, in John chapter 11. And we all look at that and think, oh, isn't that wonderful? Jesus showed up and he raised Lazarus. But some of the details that we forget is it took Jesus a while to get there. They sent word for him and he kind of tarried for a couple of days. And then he uh, he finally got there a couple of days too late. And um, yeah. I, I think about that often. I think about the times when we call out to God and we feel like he's taking too long. Uh, and, and then I, I think it's so beautiful the way John writes that because he tells us that Jesus was there and Jesus Jesus wept with them. And uh, the beauty of that is that in those times of suffering and silence where we don't feel like he's there or we, we feel like he's taking this time, he's grieving with us. And it, it, he is leading us to a time when there will be a day of resurrection. There will, will be a day where we won't have pain anymore. We won't have this grief anymore. And I think that's the hope that that story ultimately points to. But in the meantime, you know, we're in that four-day period where we're just kind of waiting for that. And as we're experiencing the griefs that we experience, we're told that Jesus goes through that with us as well, that he grieves with us as well. And, and uh, he sends his, his comforter, John would go on to say a couple chapters later, to uh, to be with us through that also. So, yeah. well, man, this was, uh, this was fantastic, Travis. I, I appreciate it. It's been a great episode. It's been a yep. great series. I appreciate you taking some time out of your week and sharing with us today. And oh, no, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah, man. So for anybody uh, listening, you all have been a part of this as well. And as I've mentioned before, we'd love to hear your story. So send mm -hmm. us a note through an email or a text, and let's meet up for lunch or coffee somewhere and talk more about what the Lord has done in, in your life. And I want to remind you also to give us a like and a share wherever you are, whether that's Apple Podcasts or YouTube or Spotify. And look us up when you get the chance over at www.fbchsv.org slash youngadults. There's a ton there about all that we have going on in and around Huntsville. Next week, the beginning of November, we'll update that page with what we have going on in November. And if you're listening, we'd love for you to join us 
Let me say, too, that this is also a standing invite for you to join us any Sunday morning as well or any other time that we have something going on with our young adults here at First Baptist Church. You also can check out more from Travis at fbchsb.org slash sermons, the premier preacher in all of Huntsville, Alabama. So go <laughs> over there and check out some yeah. of his sermons. You can also see him on uh, WHNT Sunday mornings at, at 1030. So uh, with all that said, with the end of this episode, we're going to take a break for a little while. It's It's been great to be with you. Thanks to everyone who has listened or sent a note or gave us a word of encouragement. It has meant so much to us, and I hope that we have provided some thoughtful exploration of spiritual matters and topics for you and left you with some things to chew on that has helped you grow and become a better version of yourself and a better imitation of Jesus, which is the end that we all should be aiming for. Uh, With everything said there, and for myself and for Sam Maxwell, for Travis Collins, thank you for listening today and this fall with the FBC Young Adults Podcast. We're looking forward to what is to come and where the Lord takes us from here. And we'll see you again after a while. But until then, thanks for being a part of this journey with us, and y'all take care. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.